Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports Live in crystal clear HD in person in room yet to be named here in the uh, luxurious Renaissance Fort Lauderdale Port Royal uh, Hotel. Barton Simmons there about seven feet from me. Chip Patterson right here. It, this is this is the Orange Bowl preview. This is the game we've been at. This is where we've been delivering uh, some of this hot content from and so, Barton, we are 20, we are less than 30 hours from kickoff. How does your body feel? Are you ready? Well, just to set the stage for the listeners, you are at the desk right now. I am four, four or five feet away from you, right next to the TV, so I'm just splattered in blood from this Auburn-Purdue <laughs> game that's going on right now. Uh Timing-wise, we are in the middle of the second quarter. Unless by the time this gets posted, Purdue has produced some like ridiculous comeback. Uh, this this looks like the the bloodbath of the bowl season. So um, bad bad pick bad by pick us on that one. That's two two L's for us there. <laughs> uh, the beginning of my bowl meltdown may have may have begun in spectacular fashion, but. Uh, yeah, I'm ready for the, I am ready for the game. I can't imagine being Nick Saban and Lincoln Riley going to these press conferences three days in a row. Three days in a row. Without any new information to report and just saying the same things, talking about the same stuff over and over again. Um, so I threw this out on Twitter, but this morning uh, when Nick Saban started with his opening remarks, no joke, he sounded like a NASCAR driver. He was like, I want to thank Capital One. <laughs> I want to thank the hotel. I want to thank, like, yeah, we thought the uh, 35 Home Depot really got us around turn three real good. I was like, what, what are you doing up there, man? But uh, Got to kill time. God, God, yeah. So we had uh, the coaches talk this morning. We'll, we'll get into some of that as we get into the game preview. Uh, some headlines first. LSU will be starting nothing uh, but – walk-ons in the defensive backfield, I guess. I mean, it's just it, everybody's out for, for LSU in the defensive backfield, which is not ideal when you're going up against UCF. And I, neither one of us locked up a LSU-UCF pick, right? No, we didn't. And I, and I even before all this, I was I, my lean is UCF on that. Right. Um, I certainly feel better about UCF now. I mean... It's not a good... It, that's not a good offense to go up against without your best defensive backs. Sure. I mean, you got... Greedy Williams out by choice. Christian Fulton out due to injury. Uh, John Battle is playing, I guess, uh, but is, uh, you know, I guess he's already dealt with his discipline from punching the A&M staffer at the, uh, after the game. Um, Kelvin Joseph's not making the trip due to violation of team rules. And even Kerry Vincent Jr. is playing with a heavy f- heart um, ha- with his dad having passed away like this week. So add that to Jacob Phillips missing the first half due to a targeting. Um, the injuries they already had on the defensive line, 
it's just uh, it's it's going to be a little bit of a ragtag defensive unit. And that, um, you know, like I, I'm glad that you mentioned the the Texas A&M fight because I mean, what a what a frustrating conclusion for LSU for this year to to go from that seven overtime game, then all of a sudden you're going to have a mash unit out there against a UCF team that wants like nothing more in the world than to try and make a statement. You know, they, they want to be able to have the two straight undefeated seasons. They want to be able to take down back to back sec West teams in the bowl game. And man, I just, I don't know where LSU's heads is, is going to be at headed into this game. It's, like, it's going to require the motivational speech of a lifetime from coach. O. I'm sure he's got it in him, <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sure they'll be motivated. I just, you know, Hey, look, this is, this is a, uh, uh, this UCF team that's going to be – I mean, they're tough for everyone to defend, and they got athletes. I mean, that's the thing about them is they, they can – they got speed. They got athletes on offense. Uh, do they have the size? That's the question. Do they have the, the, the physicality and that sort of thing? But they got athletes as we get an, another pick six, 42-7, 12 minutes left in the second quarter. Oh, man, this might just be a fun running commentary just as a, <laughs> as a, as a, as a, as a strain throughout the pod, just a nice little every once in a while peek in on the, the, <laughs> so, the City Bowl. so uh david blau has two or three interceptions at this point we've played 20 minutes of football uh auburn has a pick six to add to multiple explosive plays this thing was 7-0 on the first play of the game this first be, offensive snap this might be some some army houston type stuff oh here. my goodness i mean this we'll be able to uh you, you probably are at least one step away from someone who is a, a bowl executive of the Music City Bowl. You probably know somebody who knows somebody who's on the board. We should submit this to the Music City Bowl Hall of Fame, this podcast, as a running commentary <laughs> of the game. Um, as we continue to look at some of the other headlines, uh, we've got, let's see, DeAndre Baker's going to skip the Georgia game, right? Yes. Any surprise there? Or does that does that make any any uh, big? Doesn't surprise me. Uh, you know, not the not the top guy you'd want out, considering those big dudes on the uh, uh, at the receiver position for Texas. But hey, Georgia's Georgia's got other big dudes at corner. They okay. Pop in there. So um, we haven't really done a whole lot of recapping, but you know, sometimes there is. Uh, a, a big storyline like we're about to talk with Miami, but sometimes it's, you know, army thumping Houston. Sometimes it's the bloodbath that we're watching right now. And for Miami, it was a woeful performance against Wisconsin. Now final score there, 35, three mm-hmm. pulling that off. All right. Uh, we had backup quarterback for Wisconsin. Malik Rozier was pretty, pretty bad. And, and Miami, you know, the, the performance was so embarrassing, it led Blake James to release a statement uh, addressing his hopes for the, the can, future. Can, can uh, first of all, I want to just break down the ineptitude of this offense. Oh, oh, oh the of, of the Miami. Can we just spit out the numbers? Yes, For those please. that didn't watch this offense or this game, and I didn't watch it either. I think I was traveling or I was doing some, some Christmas obligations. I didn't get to see it, but I was, it was watching yesterday. it. yesterday. I was with you. Oh, we were so we what, what were we doing? We were just doing hits. hits? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, we were just we, working. Yeah, we right. we were on six so we different were, programs. So we yesterday. were so we were just watching it on our like phone, just the you know keeping keeping real time updates to each other. And Miami's quarterback Malik Rozier was five of twelve 
for 46 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Nikosi Perry also was one of five for two yards and one touchdown. You said so cool. three touchdowns. You said touchdowns. I'm sorry. Three interceptions. <laughs> very different. Yes, yeah. Very Three different. interceptions. Nikosi Perry, one interception. So collectively, the quarterbacks of Miami were 6 of 17 for 48 yards and four touchdowns. Now, at least for Rozier, he had a 62-yard run, okay, which was part of 90 yards on three carries. If not for that 62-yard run, if not for his 90 yards on three carries, Miami otherwise rushed for 31 yards as a team. As a team. I mean, and now Jack, you know, Wisconsin wasn't lighting up the scoreboard either on the pin the pass game either. Jack Cohn was 6 of 11 for 73 yards and a touchdown and a pick, but Jonathan Taylor also rushed for 205, so no big deal. Uh, that's, that is as disgusting an offensive showing as – uh, this bowl season's given us certainly well. Uh, how many look, how many carries did Jonathan Taylor? That's have? cheese it. That's cheese it caliber. <laughs> there. Jonathan Taylor had twenty seven carries for two hundred five yards. Twenty five for two hundred five. So twenty seven for two hundred five. Seven point six yards per carry. And I was gonna say like even even for that Miami defense, Manny Diaz leaves. A couple of those older players end up sitting that one out. I mean the the concern. Uh, before we get to the statement, I, I guess the concern and what led to the statement is the idea that we, we're we watching whatever brief success. Mark Rick's year one, okay, pretty successful. Year two, you get off to the 10-0 start. They lose their last three games of the season. They come out starting in the top 10, and then after losing to LSU, just just sort of slowly start unraveling like, a, like an old sweater. And I just I, – I think that the bowl season – like if – if Miami hit its head at 10 and 0, like they, they got as high as they were going to get, this has got to be the low of the low. I don't think that it is possible for it to get more unimpressive on the football field for the Miami program than what we saw in this matchup against Wisconsin. And, uh, and to the statement, which, by the way, all, all of the most emotional statements are written in the iPhone notes no doubt. and just screenshotted. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> this was written on my personal iPhone because I cannot handle what's yeah, going on. I'm, we're not putting this on letterhead. We're not putting it on <laughs> we're, letterhead. We're just punching this thing out with our thumbs and getting it out to the masses. Our football team's performance tonight and at other times this season is simply unacceptable for all of us who love the U. I am committed to getting UM football back to national prominence, and that process, well, it's underway. We will compete for ACC and national championships, and I know that Coach Rick is alongside me in that commitment to excellence. So Coach Rick is alongside him, but is he in timeout right now with his boss? So what, is that, what do you think that means? It's a call to arms. He's been put on notice. It's his way of saying you are, like, it's just on, like... The, the probation is no longer double secret. It is just like a, you are on a, you, like. Mark Rick, Mark Rick starts next season you're on, on the, the hot seat. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Okay. I think that when you, and this is, and this is where Blake James is going to know this better than almost anyone. I, I suspect that that Miami football program lost its heartbeat with Manny Diaz going to Temple. And I suspect that even before this bowl performance, there was some consternation inside the program and a little bit of concern and maybe some worry 
that with the loss of Manny Diaz and with the loss of guys like Gerald Willis, um, you know, like you're losing Shaq. I mean, you're losing McLeod. Like you, all so many of those dynamite players from the front seven that have been so good over the last three, four seasons are all leaving. I mean, it, it is the end of an era. It was a very brief era, but this little three-year run for Miami, it's like open and closed. We're, we're, we're moving on. And the problem is right now, when you look at the personnel on this team, whether it's from misses in recruiting or whether it's from poor talent development, and you look at where they're at in the recruiting rankings right now, there's just no reason to believe that an instant or fast correction is coming. And I think that that's why this statement is, is putting Coach Rick on, on notice to say, all right, like whatever you've got, whatever you need to do, it's got to happen because this, you, you cannot go from this season and then turn around next year and go six and six. Uh, right. You can't. Right. I mean, they're 33rd in the I think I do think that it, this is, whole thing is colored a little bit by how bad they're recruiting. I mean, they're 33rd in the country. That's not, that's, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, if you're a Michigan State or a TCU or an Iowa or someone that overachieves relative recruiting rankings, great. Uh, but that's not Miami. Miami's got to be bringing in elite classes to be playing at an elite level. They're not doing it. Uh, and, and I still think that there's, I mean, it all boils down to offense. Even even in that game, yeah, you gave up to 200 200 yard rusher. Um, but I've played in a game where I've gotten beat thirty five to three. My my last year in college, we beat uh, we lost to Harvard thirty five to three. Last last game of my my college ball career, we didn't play a bad game on defense. But there was a pick six that was housed uh, in you know from our end zone. We gave up a punt return touchdown, and the offense just couldn't couldn't stay on the field. And so like eventually that wears on a defense. So this is, this is not a 35 points isn't a, isn't a indictment on the defense. It is, it's a, it's no, an no, indictment the, on the offense. Uh, but, and Mark, but, but, it, but Mark Rick owns the offense. Right. And he decided he was going to own the offense. He decided he was going to call the plays. He was going to like, I don't know. There's like some nostalgia brought him back to like, I think I'll call the plays again. Like, I don't know why we expected that to work. And so, they need to. I mean, they, if you're going to hold on to the relic of the pro style offense, uh, then you better be recruiting guys that can that can run it. And I just think you right better be now, recruiting pros. Yeah, they're not. They, and they don't. They don't. They're not recruiting quarterbacks. Not developing quarterbacks. Because that's the other thing. You can't just plug and play. You got to have a quarterback that can do it. And so, uh, and I think they've had pretty decent running backs. So it's not even that. And they have good, like they've had good personnel. They've had good receivers. I know they've dealt with injuries, and that's that stung them. But um, Jeff Thomas leaves now. Jeff Thomas is gone. Amon Richards is 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 out for his career. Um, so they've dealt with some some issues. But I just look. They, they got to. This is be be like they need to get in on this Kendall Browse sweepstakes. I mean, I know it's, it's a, he's off the market now, but they should have been in on that. Yeah, they should have been diving in, uh, and and so I, I, they they got to solve that with a grand gesture. I think I don't think it takes tweaks. They they need a they need an overhaul offensively. Do you think that overhaul offensively is going to be enough to um, 
Do you think that 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 would be enough to create different results on the field to change the future of Mark Richt based on the tr- current trajectory? Yeah, I still think Mark Richt. Um, I don't know. I think Mark Richt. Yeah, I think that what what like what would I sold? What, my, what would I, change I, the trajectory? I, I guess. sold my stock last night. So like, if they go ten to two next year, I don't think. I you mean, don't I, think that's possible. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yeah, I don't think that's. I don't think that's real. I don't think that's likely. I don't think that's likely at all. Um, I, and but but, but they're, what were they? They're Virginia two, they're, has a more positive program trajectory at this moment. Well, of course they Miami. had a better season, but they but but but, but Miami was was a ten one team two years ago, right? right? So if they can go from ten wins to seven wins, they can't go back to ten wins. I think that we might just be just this is a bad week. This is a bad couple weeks for Miami. I think it's, it doesn't look like to me they're going to be a 10-win team next year. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to like be give them an opportunity to prove me wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not going to rule it out because this is still the ACC and there's winnable games most weeks. They, uh, can, they can beat Duke, Georgia Tech, Virginia. I mean, shoot, Virginia Tech doesn't look good. No. I had a conversation with somebody from ACC uh, country. He's not with the ACC, but he's like – very plugged into the ACC. Miami and Virginia Tech both being pretty bad at the same time is really, really hurting the reputation of the entire league. Sure. Florida State, too. Sure. I mean, it's uh, I, I believe that there there is good football being coached and being played around the conference. I mean, who's a better team? But Miami beat Florida State. Mm-hmm. So who's a better team next year, Miami or Florida State? Florida State, because they, they won the Kendall Brown sweepstakes. Yeah, I mean – I would tend to, to agree with that too, and it's uh, forty nine <laughs> seven now. <laughs> so I kind of wanted to. I mean, like this. Uh, here's a question: Would you take the Purdue second half line? Uh, what do you think it's going to be? Um, we can look it up here in a little bit. Purdue. I mean, it'll pr- like. Ooh, so let's just say let's just say that this half ends forty nine to seven. Second half line will be what Purdue minus. Six or something? Oh wow! I was gonna say maybe the beatdown continues and it's Auburn minus seven and a half. I would take Purdue second half line. Then. Yeah. If that, if if I, I we'll 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 have to find out what the halftime line is. Too bad this isn't like a live radio show. We have people call in, tell us what the halftime line. Is. <laughs> right. Talk through talk talk through their bets if they pick Purdue. This is one. Of, this game right now is getting to the point where like I just want to see how bad it can get. For if early in the game when it was twenty-one to nothing. And Purdue scored. I was like, all right, maybe this can be like an exciting Jeff Brom moment or like a right. or, or Gus Malzahn, like how bad can it get? You collapsed up thirty-five to seven against Because Rondell Purdue. Moore had like four or five good plays yeah. on that on that Purdue touchdown. But now drive. it's just like let's see if we can get this to seventy seven to seven just for the story. Yeah, I I I think that that would be if I was to talk to Jerry Hennon, former colleague and uh, good friend, if I was if I was to talk to him and talk through all of the points that I made on the podcast. He would. He's a big Auburn fan, big Auburn guy. He would have been like, I don't know. Gus might be angry. This might get ugly. I'm gonna text the dentist and tell the dentist to to, to hit me up and let me know what the halftime line is on this game. All okay, right. we'll get an update there. Because you know the dentist ain't working on December 28th. <laughs> There's no doubt. Yeah, he might not have his phone with him with him because he might be on the golf course. But if he's not, he's gambling on this game. I guarantee. You. <laughs> um. All right. So. For you are willing to give Miami a chance 
to prove you wrong, to change this trajectory. Do you think right now that there is a personnel in place that can help lead to, let's say, I'm going to set their win total for next year. It's seven and a half. Do I think the personnel's in place to get there to to, to get eight to, wins to, to above that? I'm well. Here's the problem: is are we like? Yeah, yeah. I think that their personnel's in place to do that, but are we losing faith in their ability to develop and and uh, and put their players in yes. position to be successful? I think yes. that's that's probably. I'm less. I'm I'm less bearish on the personnel than I am on the just the the program development and their and their ability to use that personnel effectively and now particularly now that Manny Diaz is gone I, maybe Efren Banda and um who the other co-DC was they promoted maybe those guys are are, are stars in the making I just feel co- feel more confident knowing the 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 product that Manny Diaz is going to put on the field so Kuligowski was on yeah he, he's at Bama now but that's I was going to mention it because Quinnen Williams gave Kuligowski a ton of credit for his improvement this season. Kuligowski's a stud. He mentioned it was the first name that he made because he said he, you know, I, I gave like, I don't know. I'll, I will, I'll pull the curtain back. Like it, it is a very, for a player like Quinnen Williams, it's a good conversation starter. Hey, you know, what have been some of the keys to your growth or your development or your breakthrough this season? Right, first thing he says starts giving credit to Kuligowski. Yeah, and and the way that uh, the the way that he was able to break it down and uh, and help him sort of understand the craft and the art of being an interior defensive lineman. Kuligowski leaves. Manny Diaz leaves. So many of the things that made that 2017 Miami Hurricanes uh, run so so impressive, so much fun. Uh, they're all gone. Mark Rick has to start over. He had he had to start over once, and now he's got to start over again. Yeah, and I I don't know if he makes it another three years. Uh, yeah, I mean I I I would the, because it's not just how it's not that they're losing; it's the way they're losing. That's always what's going to get you knocked out yeah. quick. And who you're losing to? And who you're losing to? So I it, it I agree with you. It feels like it's uh feels like it's going to be feels like this this has this is sort of like the beginning of the march to death <laughs> like that's a, I was trying to think of a better way to like that sounds like a that's a very morbid way to very phrase morbid it. probably <laughs> probably the wrong like probably the the, the the wrong words to to use there but this feels like the beginning of the end right so that's a little softer way of saying it maybe um uh, yeah, we'll we'll come back into it because I think that Miami and Mark Richt will end up being a big offseason topic. We're we're going to talk about it a lot. We're going to track it every bit. We're going to see if they're able to make improvements before National Signing Day. And you know what? Maybe they do. And and maybe that's the first little bit of hope that Miami fans are able to cling to. But uh, as we turn our attention to Saturday, I threw this question to you earlier, so I I don't I hope I hope it's not too redundant for you. Do you think that Kyler Murray will enter the NFL draft? Uh, okay, so it is very clear to me, very clear to me, that Kyler Murray prefers football over baseball. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, he it seeps out of everything he says. If not, like he may have even said that explicitly. That uh, you know, like that's where that's where, where he my heart was two time Mister Football in Texas. Baseball wasn't even on the radar as a prospect. Like we have these guys that come up, where it's like, ah, oh, he loves baseball, or he. Bl-. I mean, he had a base a baseball background, but I didn't even know he was going to play baseball at Oklahoma, uh, or uh, in college at Texas A and M. Uh, I don't even know if he. I don't even know if he did play baseball at Texas A and M. He did not. Did he? Was, he? Yeah, yeah, he played at Texas A and M, and he was pretty good. Okay. And he, he did. A, he had a position change, and he kind of exploded. And so as that was really the start, like as his football career was sputtering, yeah. and the baseball career took off at both schools, that was kind of how okay. this ball got rolling right. for him. That's good background there. So, but like I, there was never any doubt as a prospect that Kyler Murray was playing football, like. There was never a well. We'll see what he gets drafted in the spring. Mm-hmm. There was never. And we've a, had that with some players recently. Always, like we yeah. every year, we have a few that are like that. Um, and and so and Kyler Murray was, he is the all t- like he is. If you draw up like the ultimate high school football career, it's Kyler Murray's high school football career in terms of production. Forty as a starter. Forty two and O. Yeah. Three state championships. Yeah, never lost, and he did it with like. Throwing for like four thousand yards and rushing for like a thousand yards every year. It's, Never it's, lost. It's stupid. It's yes. just stupid. Um, so I think I think he wants to play football. I think he I and and the I think he signed that deal. Frankly, not anticipating that he would be this good at football. Like I think he I think if if he knew he was gonna have this kind of year, I don't like. I guess, well, I guess what, so maybe there's just nothing to lose here. He takes the $5 million signing bonus, and if he wants to go, decides he's going to play in the NFL, talk me through this. Okay, so Kyler Murray said yesterday, at the beginning of the season, no one was asking me about the NFL draft. Yeah. No, nobody thought about Like Nobody yeah. was contacting agents. Nobody was reaching out to my parents. The NFL draft was not part of my world. Right. And, you know, I, I wrote about this a little bit for the site today, but it was not part of our view of it. We all kind of looked at Kyler Murray as a stopgap, somebody that was going to help yeah. Lincoln Riley get from Baker Mayfield uh, to Spencer Rattler and, like, be able to just sort of bridge whatever he needed to bridge for this Oklahoma offense. We, d- we, we doubted if he was a fighter pilot or a bus driver. And... He, Kyler Murray said, I've, I've always dreamed about being in the NFL. And because it's happened so quickly, he's been able to inundate himself with the season and he's been able to, you know, block it all out. And he says he's not thinking about it. And he says that's a decision for after afterwards. And this morning, Lincoln Riley, um, Lincoln Riley seemed to me, and, uh, you know, I, I, I can pull his words out here in a second. Lincoln Riley seemed to me, like he was very pro Kyler Murray to the NFL draft. And that is when the light bulb went off because Lincoln has nothing but wins, like nothing to lose for Kyler Murray to go be a top 10 pick. Yeah. So Lincoln Riley is drive capital D driving the idea that you shouldn't worry about his height. You shouldn't worry about anything else. That guy is somebody that can go do it. His quote um, is I think he said he's in a great position. Um, he can be a major league baseball all-star or he can be a pro bowler. And I think that he can be both. 
Well, and, and I think if – He called him a top 10 pick. He said he got drafted number nine in the baseball draft, and I think he could go that high in the football draft too. So let's assume he got drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. He – what we were talking through, like he could then just pay back the A's. Sure. The $5 million. Yes. Based on whatever signing bonus is based, with the NFL. Based on just like a, one meeting with Nike. Right. And like, so <laughs> easy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then he's just, you know, they still have his rights in baseball. Yep. But I think the, the, who's his, who's his agent? Scott uh, Boris. Scott Boris is who's pushing, like, because he's he, a baseball It's a bad agent. look on him. Yes. If, if, if he backs out on this, because I'm sure the A's were given some assurances. Um, and so, you know, I think that he's being pushed by his agent to play baseball, but, Ultimately, I do think the kid likes football, and I think all of a sudden, let's not he, forget about his dad. His too. dad, and I, and all of a sudden, he is being talked about as a first round pick, a legitimate first round pick. Um, so it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating deal, uh, and because uh, Nick Costas, you know, he asked the same question on uh, one of the many CBS Sports HQ hits that we did, and I, you know, I. I kind of scoffed it off. And that was a, a classic example. You and I were saying sometimes when you're at these events, it kind of takes some time for the, the stories to, to rise to the top or for you to settle in. You know, we spent so much time talking. I didn't feel like I got a, a chance to really listen. Mm-hmm. The more time that I've spent listening, I've been like, Oh my goodness. Kyle, Kyle, and, and why wouldn't Kyler Murray? Yeah. Go be a first-round NFL. He just won the Heisman Trophy. Well, the other thing is, is when you talk baseball and guaranteed contracts and the, the money involved, there's, there's plenty of reason to think based on your career, longevity, money involved, that baseball is a better option for football, generally speaking. But at the quarterback position... He's a quarterback from Texas. It's a totally different <laughs> like, deal. Like does, of course like he the wants money to play is, football. The money would be insane on foot in the football... And even if the, even given the way the rules are, it's he's less. He's being protected more. It's not he's not a he's not a offensive lineman or or even a running back. Sure, trying to decide between going NFL or playing center field. He's a he's a quarterback, and not that there's not risk involved there, but it's a little bit of a different deal, and it's certainly financially a totally different deal. So that being said, do you think that? He could be a Pro Bowl. I think we'll see him. I, I think, I think we will see Kyler Murray in the NFL. Yes, I agree. I don't think he'll be a Pro Bowler though. I don't think he will be a Pro Bowler. And I wish nothing but full health and a, a yeah. long career of doing whatever he wants to do. But I could see him being a pretty good quarterback though, I, in the NFL. I could see him having a pretty good two to three year run. Yeah. Take it to baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, agreed. And and you know, it's funny thinking back. So what I I'll, I'll I will uh hold myself account to my preseason statements. There was a time when I was making at least a hypothetical argument or 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 posing the question is Oklahoma better off with Austin Kendall as their starting quarterback than Kyler Murray before the season. Before we knew what Kyler Murray was. Right. Because I ultimately you said Kendall was better in the spring game. He was better in spring game because it, it, with Kyler, it's always been about are the flashes we've seen of are basically like spring game and Texas A&M. Right. 
Those are like the only two substantial flashes we've seen of him because when he was even playing as a backup at Oklahoma, it was more in spot duty, gimmick plays. He was never asked to really be the guy. And and when we've seen him in those moments, spring games, A and M, it's it's just been a a little bit of a helter skelter, free will, and let's just like you know, let's just scramble. And so it was hard to like, it was hard to know that this was coming, even though I'm not necessarily surprised given what he was as a high schooler and as a prospect. Um, but it's interesting to see how quickly when he's focused on football, he's developed into that guy. And that makes you think you want makes you wonder how, how much more ceiling he's got left. The trajectory could be strong there. So okay, so as we're uh, starting to spin this forward to the game, do you think that Kyler Murray is going to ha- uh, over or under sixty five percent completion percentage against Alabama? Over. Hmm. I mean, he's a 67% passer for this season. I think he will be – I'm not – if, if – that is a that is a that is something in this game that I'm not concerned about on the Oklahoma side. I think they'll be able to complete passes. Will they be able to take care of football? Will they be able to limit turnovers? Will they be able to – Over under one and a half interceptions. Under. I'll but say probably, under. But probably but I, one. I think, he'll get, I think he'll throw one. Yeah. I think Bam, Bam will get one somewhere along the way. I might go over. So, all right, let, let's. So oh yeah, you yeah I, you wrote about I this. I was talking about yeah, earlier. So <laughs> I was. I, while oh, yeah, what, the, why don't you lead the? While you were at the press conference, yeah. While you were at the uh, head coach press conference and hearing them talk about the same thing for the third straight day, I was, and probably having some value in it to not have to just be able to sit there and listen to them. I was punching out my key, five keys to the game right. piece for CBS. And, I was, and as I started it, I was telling you earlier, like I, I spent forever figuring out what the five keys were. Because as we've talked about this game, it's been such a broad overview of like, ah, it's just going to be a shootout. Yeah. <laughs> Where, whoever's whoever's the, got it last. Yeah, <laughs> last man standing wins. Or, you know, Tua to, to or Kyler just going head to head. Man, it's just, let's see if a defense can get a stop. Like, And so as I started really thinking about what the keys were, it's, it was, you know, it took took me some took me some time to kind of sort through it, and, and I don't know the my, so I think what I, what I I mean to me the biggest key in the game the single biggest key of the game, is Tua's health. I've been talking about that on CBS all all week, and and I just you know I think we we talked about it on the pot on the locks pod. Look, I just think if he's not full speed, I've seen him not full speed. I've seen him at, at Mississippi State, not full speed, or against Mississippi State, not full speed. I've seen him, and it's 56-7 to seven, Auburn. This thing's getting fun. Um, <laughs> so I've seen him play Mississippi State after he got his, his, his knee twisted up. He was a different guy I, at, at Georgia. When he was thinking about that knee, when he couldn't, when he couldn't make the subtle, quick, twitchy movements to avoid the rush and – and explode into a throw like we're used to seeing him, it, it was different, and Alabama was different. And so I think if Kyler Murray doesn't have that explosiveness, that, that suddenness, that ability to avoid and to step into the pocket, I think they'll be different. So that's key number one. I mean, but the p- point being in that, t- though, is who are the teams that, w- that, that was exposed with? Mississippi State and, and Georgia, great defenses. Two, the two best defenses that Alabama's faced probably. 
Oklahoma, can they actually even do enough to expose that injury? So I think that's point number one for me. Point number two, Oklahoma's defense is bad. We know their defense is bad. Can they get Alabama to turn the ball over? Because in the five games that have been close with Oklahoma, five, either one possession game. There's four one possession games, I believe, and then one more in the Texas game that they won by like 10. That was right. close. Um, in those four, they had the four Texas. They had the fourth quarter interception and the which, safety and the safety. Yeah, against West Virginia, they had two defensive scores. Mm-hmm. Um, against uh, uh, who's uh, against uh, Army, they had a fourth quarter interception that that shut down a seventeen play drive, and they had an overtime interception. So it's like even like the game if they don't get in, if they don't get turnovers, they could be eight and four right now. So they got them, though, and there's some luck in turnover world. And even though Alabama takes care of the football effectively, I think if, 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 they, if, if Alabama takes care of the football effectively this game, they're 13th in the country and, and turnovers given up. I think Oklahoma's gotten better throughout the season at just having a different mentality of just trying to go out there and make plays instead of being like really stressed out. Right, like they're just going to have to. They're just going to have to gamble. Like they got, they got to go like take risks. Well, except, ex- except the fact they're going to go up points, they're going to go up yards. And right. I think they do. I don't right. think that there's any like misconception about that. But they're just going to have to accept that, and they're going to have to be willing to give that up for the sake of of just taking some picking some, some balls off. And by the way, and now Purdue is throwing punches because they are so sick we of got this. Two fights. We got two fights already in this game. Uh, I mean, this is unfortunately we're not going to see a final score on this pod. No, you're not. No way this this pod's going to last that long. The way this game's going, um, but uh, we're at we're at fifty six seven. So, I, so my my point is, if 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 Alabama takes care of the football, I think they could win by twenty. Mm. If they just don't turn it over, yeah. Because like Oklahoma, that's sort of an, an essential ingredient to the Oklahoma equation. I think Alabama might win by 20 now. I've changed my mind on this like seven times. I, I just still think, though, that as it uh, – we, we've, I mean, we, we've seen this before. We saw this last year. Like, just, just go back to last year. I mean, this is uh, Oklahoma, Georgia. I mean, we've seen this at um, – and we've seen guys, we've seen players like Kyler Murray elevate their team. I, Trevor Knight lit up Alabama in the 2014 Sugar Bowl. I think if Tua's full speed and full strength, and this was a, a legitimate Tua versus Kyler battle, then the defenses would be the, the defense's difference would be so much that we wouldn't have a game here. But it's Kyler versus the 70% of Tua. Which I think could be enough if 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 Oklahoma can just steal a turnover. All right, so what to else? keep it close, to yeah, keep it close for sure. So what else did you have on your uh, your points? Um, I had uh, one of them was I mean it was it's still it's still a line of scrimmage game. We've been talking about that some too. Like yeah. it's still we can talk about the quarterbacks all we want, but this is the Joe Moore Award offensive line uh, for for Oklahoma. They're third in the country at uh, opportunity rate. Uh, going against an Alabama whose identity has always been defensive front and they're fifth in the country in opportunity rate allowed defensively. So, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's still going to boil down to that. 
it's still going to be about, and, and really it's probably more so than that, it's about Oklahoma playing above themselves on the defensive line. Can Ronnie Perkins get to Tua a couple times, the true freshman? Can, uh, can Amani Bledsoe and, and Neville Gallimore be like the best version of themselves? And uh, yeah, that, that's, those guys are talented. Like that's what people are missing. And that's what I think is, if I'm a, if I'm a, ta- like a talented young defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch or Clark Lee or somebody who's, who's got a chance, who, who, who Oklahoma's courting for this job or, mm-hmm. or uh, I don't know who else, the Pete Golding or you know, whoever they are. This would be an enticing opportunity because it's Neville Gallimore and Amani Bledsoe and Ronnie Perkins are really good, are really talented players. Uh, Robert Barnes and um, uh, Buki Radley-Hiles and uh, you know Kenneth Murray and all these guys, all these young players who are sophomores and under. Right. Those guys are all, they're all, those guys are talented. And so, for whatever reason, they just haven't had a uh, a defense where it's they put it all together and it's and they just they where they felt like they've they've had some cohesion or cohesiveness, I guess is a better word. Uh, and so I, I feel like it's fixable, but that obviously you can't you can't do that in fifteen bowl practices. So we're not at the point of of we're not at the the turning point of this defense. It's just a matter of where they able to patch up a few things to to get a stop or two, or get a turnover or two. I think that we have not spent a lot of time talking about Alabama's rushing attack, and to me, that has been one of those late eleventh hour X factors that's been creeping around in my head. The idea that Josh Jacobs. Damian Harris, Najee Harris. What if, like, what, what if Alabama just runs the ball 50 times? If they do, they might run it for 300 yards. Yeah, they might. It'll be, yeah. I mean, you, and we, it might be, a, they, they, you may, fi- you may, if, if Tua is the, the, the beat up Tua that I suspect he is, you definitely might see a, an Alabama team that tries to protect him with game plan. Yeah. You know, and I, I, do, I don't think that this Oklahoma team, is and that's not even like a you know that that's not i I might have said the use the i'm not on the like use the army or run the ball to keep it out of kyler murray's hands because even running the ball they might score on you know four play touchdown drives that only take a minute but i just i think that as we've gotten so uh enamored with jerry judy devonta smith henry ruggs irv smith and all these incredible wide receiving options the best wide receiver room Maybe only to Oklahoma in the country. Fair. Uh, it. You're saying is are, is Oklahoma a better wide receiver room? Do you think that Alabama's better? I think, I think Alabama's better. Ooh, number yeah. number one wide receiver room in the country. But yeah. to win this game, given everything at play, Alabama's offensive line. You know they've been really banged up. They've had to move around. I had a, a good conversation with Lester Cotton, sort of you know, bebopping around the, the the ways that Alabama's offensive line cross trains and how they've had to roll out lots of different combinations of the five. And, you know, they've been banged up and they've had to have some some subs there. But I, I think that that group might have an opportunity to win physical battles, open up lanes. And, I mean, you talked to Damian Harris. I, I, did, I didn't get a chance to listen in on the conversation. Like, where do you think his head is at? Because I thought back to one of the one of the most impactful stories from the road this year. And it was Damian Harris. Uh, Damian Harris said that 
he went up to Tua and he was like, it's an honor to play with you. Like Damian Harris wants to win a national championship with this team right now. He came back to school. He's, he's won the national championships. Like he, he is going to go down as one of the winningest Alabama football players ever. And I just wonder if he's got like 120 yards in him. Well, I, I, one of the things I was talking to Damian Harris about was like, you know, is this, you can't, you could have gone to the NFL. And frankly, in some ways, it's like he was, he was a bigger focal point of their team last year. We thought he was the, one of the most underrated running backs in the country. I thought he was a borderline first rounder. Yeah. You know, whether that's right or not. I, I, I liked him as much as any back in the country. And I feel like he's been running second to Jacobs. Yeah, we haven't really, like, and, 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 and all of them are playing second fiddle to Tua. Right. And so, yeah, like I, I totally, like we could, we, we could just see Alabama and Nick Saban say, yeah, you guys thought we were uh, fancy spread spread boys this year like like roll your sleeves up and get ready for what's coming at you right now yeah because guess who is all fresh healthy and ready to just be a battering ram in the playoffs yeah that's 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 my sneaky 11 i we what else you have on your on your keys to the game but i I wanted to interject my 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 late story story storyline that i'm kind of building myself i I, well look i mean my last one was like it's just gonna be uh it's really – oh, oh, one of them was last. special teams. Oh, yeah, fair. Because ultimately that's one area where there's a clear advantage for Auburn – or for um, – Alabama. For uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, really? Well, I'm just talking about – look. Kickers? Yeah, oh, because Austin Cyber. Just the kicking game, I guess, is, is a better game. way of saying it. Because in special teams, in the t- return game, you've got Jalen Waddell, who's one of the best in the country. Right. Uh, and so that, that skews, like, the conversation when you just term it special teams. But – Kicking game is probably a better way of phrasing it. I hope I, my editors help me out there and 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 helping my title. But uh, you know, Alabama's I think ninety sixth in the country in the S and P plus uh, special teams, uh, whereas Oklahoma's thirty second. Um, Alabama's missed eight extra points this year. I mean, it's going to take Oklahoma putting together a really good effort to make it close enough to where a kick or two matters. Mm. But if they get it close enough to where a kick or two matters, then that's that'll help. I mean, Oklahoma's thirty something in the country in net punt punt yardage, and Alabama I think is like one twelfth in the same ranking. So like, there are some advantages in play in the kicking game, um, but it's it's again it's it's going to take the other pieces falling into place for for them to matter. Um, and then my last point was just. You know, can can Kyler put a team on his back? Like, is this a, is 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 none of this going to matter to where it's just Kyler Murray pulls a Vince Young or pulls a Deshaun Watson, and it, it might take it might take that right. It might take a Kyler Murray being the best player on the field against the best team in the country, and uh, and just playing like just just out of his mind. I will. I mean, I just. I will never forget the swing in Tampa. We're sitting around having the the halftime media meal, and Bo Scarborough has just been running all over Clemson for the whole first half. And the conversation as we're as we're doing our like halftime uh, eating together is how how bad is this going to get? Is Bama really fitting to run the score up on Clemson? Second half, Deshaun Watson comes out, and Mike Williams just starts balling. And Mike Williams just starts making grab after grab after grab. CeeDee Lamb can make those kinds of grabs, you know? 
Hollywood Brown can, you know, find, find a coverage bust and turn it into an 80-yard touchdown real quick. And Kyler Murray absolutely has every bit of the playmaking ability as Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So I like never, never give up. Because of Kyler Murray, no lead is safe in this game. I agree. Uh, and so that, so okay. it, and, and so it, it was like a, I was sort of volleying back and forth between like, uh, can Kyler be that good? Is Tua healthy quarterback versus quarterback? But oh, no, really, it's offensive line, defensive line. And, uh, it's just a fun game. There's a lot of elements at play here. And, and I'm, ho- I'm, I'm hopeful we just get the best version of this game. And by the way, the halftime spread, halftime line of Auburn Purdue is and it scores what fifty six to seven fifty six to seven <laughs> halftime lines pick them and twenty three and a half to, for the total. What would you play on that? I think I'd go. I think I would go Purdue. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to think about this too much. It's going to poison my thoughts. Um, all right. So, 40, 47 times this year. Hey, you know a stat that just got thrown out in our Slack room? What? Saban is one in four against Heisman winners in their Heisman seasons. Manziel is the one of the losses. Cam Newton probably. Cam Newton is one of the losses. Um, is there a um, is there an LSU loss in there too? Probably. I mean, if if he's catching it like a Desmond Howard loss, I'm going to throw it out and right. call it erroneous. Right. right. Uh, he didn't play Lamar Jackson. Oh, is it? Uh, okay. Well, forty-seven times. Oklahoma's defense has been put in what the statistics would call a red zone, an opponent red zone opportunity. Out of those 47 times, do you know how many touchdowns they've allowed? A lot, because I looked at the red zone conversion Yeah, Oklahoma <laughs> ranks number 130 among yes. FBS teams I did see that in today. allowing touchdowns in red zone opportunities. And that means that Alabama's inability to make field goals, which is like the strangest thing in college football, that Alabama just, for whatever reason, seems to be missing field goals at a a rate that is so far below the success rate of every other part of the Alabama football program. But Oklahoma might be the one team in this playoffs where that might not matter. Yeah. Right. But uh, but with Oklahoma, it's all about the thin margins because because the offense can score so much that all it takes is one. Like all it takes is one missed field goal. All it takes clank, is one interception, yeah. one defensive stop. That's what's that's what's so like unique about this this Oklahoma team is um, you know, it's it's so many of the stats don't matter. Like so many of these stats are just sort of outlier stats. The other thing I was I was looking at with these teams today, which I thought was interesting, um, Alabama is seventy fourth in the country and third and long percentage. So a percentage of times you're in a third and long down a distance, about half, uh, about 50%. But their third and long success rate, number one in the country. (laughs) (laughs) They get 40% of their third and longs uh, successfully converted. Um, 
and I think Oklahoma is similar. So oh, oh, Oklahoma, 63rd in the country in third and long percentage. 48% of the time they're in third and long. Their third and long success rate, they're number two in the country. So it's like th- these two teams are just – it doesn't matter. Like it's not about getting. It's not. It's none of the, none of the like talking points about keeping on schedule, staying in front of the chains. Don't get negative. Don't get negative. None of it matters because they're so explosive and they can punch out fifteen yard, twenty five yard gains on every down and distance all the time. That it, a lot of those stuffs can just get thrown out the window. Oklahoma's had the least amount of third downs in the country. There you go. They just don't yeah. have third downs. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't get. To third downs. Alabama, by the way, uh, 128th, third to last in the yeah. country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember uh, Michael Felder threw that out. And I think that was last year with Oklahoma because of Baker Mayfield. Like it kind of blew his mind and it became his, his talking point is he was like, yeah, Georgia is like number one third down conversion rate in the country. And it doesn't matter because Oklahoma never gets to third down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Um, all right, uh, final score. Uh, I will go Bama 52, Oklahoma 45. Nice. Uh, I'm at 45-35. Yeah. I'm going to keep rocking. I there. think someone gets 50s. I think the over is the play. I think the winner is 50-plus. Hoping, hoping for touchdowns or hoping for an under and getting out of the stadium before 2 a.m. Yeah, no doubt. We're gonna. I gotta. I've got a like a six a.m. flight the next morning, so it'll be a. It'll be like a four thirty wake up call, anyways. Right. So maybe I'm just hoping for a for a long game, get us out of there by two a.m. and I'll just, yeah, you know, cat nap. Yeah, just you know, never never even get in deep sleep. Uh, he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. And we got. Uh, uh, we're going Purdue halftime line. Pick them 56 to 7. Let's see what's up. Let's go, Dennis. Let's make some money. Lock it up. <laughs>